Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. So I'd like to begin with a story. And I'm a little fuzzy on the details, don't quote me on this story, but uh, years ago, uh, at the church we used to serve, there was a luncheon. It was a weekday luncheon. It's the type of luncheon where if you're retired, uh, you, you come out to the church building, and there's a sandwich, chips, macaroni salad, and they would have a little presentation. And uh, on this particular uh, luncheon, at this particular luncheon, there was a, uh, a gentleman, a congregant of that church. He went to Israel, the Middle East, to Jordan, and uh, he was showing us his slides. That was the present presentation. And so he was going through his, his, uh, his pictures and telling us stories of his trip and all of that. And then he came to Petra, which is in Jordan. You might recognize this. Uh, movie fans, you meet this in Indiana Jones, right? Uh, it's probably in a couple other movies, but Petra. Um, it's, a, it's an ancient city that's carved out of the rock. And so this, this gentleman, he gets to uh, his slides of, of Petra, but then he, he starts talking about the book of Enoch, which is not in our traditional Orthodox Bible. He's talking about the book of Enoch, and then he's talking about angels, and then he kind of references how some of these, uh, some of this work here, this craftsmanship, it's like it's almost impossible that it could be done with human tools that you would almost need like lasers uh, and, and like like just modern technology in order to to make these kind of cuts okay uh, and so it's it's just he starts talking again about like the book of Enoch and angels and lasers and you know he didn't specify that he believed in this kind of stuff but he started to definitely add some flair there there were some exotic things that he was he was saying what he was suggesting, and so um, it's just it's it's one of those conversations where you start to scratch your your head, you know, a noodle scratcher, and you're like, wait, does he think angels came down and carved Petra out of lasers? You know, you start to like put the pieces together, um, or is is he just is it all speculation kind of thing? And so to be fair, Christians will always sound weird to someone somewhere. And if you've been around Christians for a long time, you're definitely bound to hear some off-the-wall stuff. All right? One of the most recent things that I, I've heard is that um, there's an individual who believes, and I'm, if, if this is your belief, I'm sorry for stepping on your, your toes, uh, but they believe that the New Jerusalem is currently in outer space. And it's waiting to come down. Okay? You will hear some off-the-wall stuff. Okay? Now, I think a healthy church gives space to talk about things. Okay? Healthy, informed dialogue is important. Of course, humility and teachability is important, too. And it's definitely okay to have opinions. It's okay to have strong opinions. It's okay to have interesting thoughts. Who are the Nephilim in the Bible? Those, those giants. Okay. What about ghosts? What about aliens? Is my dog going to be in heaven? Okay. We, we have questions like that. And again, I think um, 
Church should be that safe place where you can actually ask those types of, of questions, and in community, we, we seek out those answers. Now, a long time ago, in ancient Ephesus, the congregation there, they had a false teacher problem. There were men and women teaching myths based on Old Testament genealogies. And, and what they were getting into, it, it was worthless talk, irrelevant discussions, just a lot of speculations. And ultimately, what was happening, all of this, what we would say, you know, off the wall talk and kind of out there kind of stuff, it was kind of becoming the, the main thing. It was just, it was distracting. It was distraction from the teaching of Jesus. So the missionary, church planner, teacher, uh, extraordinaire, tent maker, Paul, he writes a letter to the pastor in Ephesus. His name is Timothy. And Paul encourages young pastor Timothy to be resilient. Fight the good fight, Paul says. And also in this letter, he, it's, it's a bunch of corrections. Okay, you have a unique city, a unique context. Here are unique uh, corrections that are needed for this Ephesian congregation. Now, put yourself in Paul's shoes for a second. If you have a gospel-taught church, but now it's starting to be filled with kind of nutty teaching and that's based on myths and, and fables, and you're starting to like lose your way and kind of like you're, you're really losing your center there, how, how would you address that? If you were Paul, how would you address that? What would be your first step? And interestingly, in addressing this, Paul's number one response to the church at Ephesus is this. Teach the people how to pray. Prayer aligns us. It draws us to the source of grace, mercy, Strength. Some of us would probably be like, no, like, go find those false teachers, grab them by the ear, like, put them in timeout, like, put them, you know, send them back to Sunday School 101 or whatever, you know. Like, like sometimes we, we might think, yeah, the, the best source, uh, the best action here, the best reaction is to grab them and make sure they just stop what they're doing. That is not Paul's approach here. Teach the people, the whole church, how to pray. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul writes to Pastor Timothy. He says, I urge then, first of all, meaning top of the list, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. The pastoral way to bring about change to your congregation, Timothy, is for them to change how they pray or who they pray for. And so Paul, he brings the wide-angle definition, the wide-angle lens on prayer. It's generic prayer. It's petitions or specific prayer requests. It's intercessions, meaning praying on the behalf of others. It's prayers of gratitude and, and thanksgiving, like all of the prayers, all the types of prayers that you can think of. Pray for all people. Get your congregation to pray all of the prayers and get them to pray for all people, meaning all of humanity. And then in verse 3, it says, This is good and it pleases God 
our Savior. So our first point today is this. Praying for all people is good and pleasing to God. The title of the sermon today is Praying for All People. We have four points today. Praying for all people is good and pleasing to God. That is our first point. It is right. It is beautiful. It is pleasing and acceptable to God. Galatians 1.10 uh, tells us that servants of Christ were not to be slaves to people-pleasing. Rather, 2 Corinthians 5.9 states, Our goal is to please God. Our goal is to please God. Now, as Christians... We don't have to faithfully walk with God. We get to. We are free to serve. We are free to do what is pleasing to God. And praying for all people is good and it pleases God. Now also as a, as a side note here, Paul says, remember to pray for kings and all those in authority. Your, your secular leadership. And we have to rem remember this is... In the days of Nero, Emperor Nero, I won't go into his history, uh, but if you can recall a little bit, if you know anything about him, he was cruel, he persecuted Christians. Nero was the worst. That is their leader. Paul says, remember to pray for Nero. So taking a look at this principle, we're encouraged to pray for our leaders. We want them to be prosperous. Why? Paul gives, he gives the answer here. So that we can have opportunities to live in peace. Lives of tranquility. Calmness. Quiet. So that we can have lives with, you know, be able to shape our, our lives well with godly hearts and, and godly dignity. It's, it's not a request to live conflict-free Paul is grounded in the real world. He understands this world has fallen. Yes, we're going to have struggles. We're going to have conflict. It's not a request to live conflict-free. There, there's no safety bubble here. But it's so that we can, we can live lives that are conducive to spreading the good news of Jesus. This is good. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior. Who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Which means God wants people to hear, to receive, to accept the gospel message. And so why pray for all people? Well, besides that it's good and pleasing to God, it's actually missionally aligned with God's heart, God's desire to save people. And so our second point today is this. Praying for all people aligns us with God's mission. And so when Paul says all people, who does he mean? He means all people. Yes, all image bearers. Pray for all people. All people. God's big scope. God's agenda. Genesis 12, 3. All people will be blessed through Abraham and Sarah, through this family, eventually through Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, John the Baptist quotes Isaiah. All people will see God's salvation. Jesus says in John 12, 32, When I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Acts 2, 17. The promised Holy Spirit is poured out over all people who believe 
in Jesus. Romans 5, death comes to all people, but guess what? Justification and brand new life comes to all people through Jesus. Long story short, God has a heart for outsiders. God has a heart for all people. God wants them. And he says to pray for them. Pray for all people. Missions, being for the world, being for people, that's not my idea. That's not our denomination's idea. That is God's idea. If you had to pick one theme for the Bible, what would you pick? Is it a book of love? Is it a book of of this or that? I, I would say mission. Mission. God's redemptive mission to reconcile all things to himself. The one mega theme of the Bible. God is on mission. God wants all people to be saved and to know the truth. Do we want that too? Today there's many complex issues. Most issues involve humans. And so... When you talk about issues in current events, church, and my, you know, myself too, I, I encourage you to check yourself and do so with a, with a posture of prayer and a posture of, with, with God's redemptive mission in mind. You know, let's, let's think about this old Ephesus church. There were people there promoting controversies rather than the work of God. People have, have wandered away, and, and now they're, they're caught up in this meaningless talk, pointless, pointless, pointless theological arguments that go nowhere. All that is eclipsing the central message of the church. They're, they're, they're losing sight of reaching people for Jesus. And the, the point I'm, I'm making is, is this. There is such a big heart for people. And just to share, you know, I'm sure you can re- relate to this. It, it, it bugs me when it feels like the church is against a lot of people. When the church is against its, itself and, and we forget what it's like to be for people. And so as I look at 1 Timothy here, the principle that I see is, is like, okay, how can I think and pray for all people with godly hearts, with godly dignity. Does it mean I have to agree with all people? How can I, how can I pray for all people? Where, where's this missional alignment here in my prayers as I pray for all people? And yes, sin has messed up every single human. It, it, there's a distortion in every human's life. But can the church be a community that, that prays on behalf of humanity. Can we be that community? Can we be that, that haven of grace? A, a community of, of healing people. A community of, of people who, who pray for all those who need the one true Jesus, the one true gospel. Let's be that community. Jesus died for us. He died for them. He died for all people. Good Friday and and Easter are are central to Jesus' redemptive mission, which brings up our third point, 
praying for all people, it corresponds with the work of Christ. Verse 5 and 6 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. So Paul uses this payment metaphor, ransom. Jesus died to pay the purchase price to buy people's liberation from evil, darkness, and death. To set the captives free. How did the mediator do this? He went to the cross. And at the proper time in history, God acted in history Jesus, the Son of God, was born, he lived, his mission, he raised up disciples, he died for the sins of all people, he went to the cross, he was buried, and he rose again. To paraphrase Doug Webster, a seminary professor, he says, We in the church understand we're sinful, but by the grace of God we have experienced God's love and rebirth, and we have the responsibility of the ministry of reconciliation, of joining in that that redemptive mission. There is an inclusive call to an exclusive salvific work in Jesus Christ. And those who are saved, they must come to Jesus. They must know the truth about Jesus. And so we, as redeemed resident aliens within our own home culture, we continue to pray for those not yet in. We continue to, to pray for the people that Jesus died for. These prayers are in line with the work of our Jesus and his glorious gospel. And then Paul, Paul reminds Timothy, it is for the purpose of this gospel, what we're talking about today, folks, like it is for the purpose of this gospel. Paul says, I've been called, I've been appointed to be this herald preacher guy. Paul's like, I've, I've been appointed to be a missionary, a representative this ambassador for Jesus. I've been commissioned, I've been called, I've been appointed to be this teacher, instructor guy to the Gentiles. Okay? The Gentiles, the, the, the nations. So our fourth, final point is this. Praying for all people, it supports the work of the church. It supports the church's preachers and teachers and missionaries. Yes, the church is filled with teachers and pastors and preachers and heralds and proclaimers. Those with apostolic gifting and prophetic gifting. Those who have that trailblazing fire. Missionaries, ambassadors for Jesus. The church has fathers and mothers and uncles and aunts and plumbers and bankers and bus drivers and retail workers. And so on and so on. The church is filled with all these people with gifts and graces, all these skills, and people have different callings, and some people are appointed to what we would say like professional ministry, but we're all called to, to, to ministry of some sort. We're all called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so when you pray for all people, you're praying for your mission field, you're, you're praying for your audience, you're praying for your students, your neighbors, your friends, your families. When you pray for pastors, also pray for their congregations. When you pray for missionaries, also pray for their context. When you pray for teachers, also pray for their students. Do you get the pattern? 
And the call to action today is simple, folks. It is to pray for all the peoples of the world. Pray for all the people. And, and, and you know, we can also extend that, you know, pray for those systems that, that people run. Yes, we, we need to pray for efficient immigration systems. We need to pray for good policing. Pray for our schools. Pray for our healthcare systems. Pray for our prisons. Pray for our churches. Pray for our leaders, executive, legislation, judicial branches, our governors, county commissioners, White Marsh Township Board of Supervisors. For those who live in White Marsh, do you know their names? There's five of them. Pray for Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, Independents. Pray for countries in conflict, political instability. Pray for Russia and Ukraine. Pray for China and Taiwan. Pray for those at the Olympics. Pray big prayers for a big world. Let us be that community that prays big prayers for a big world. It is good and pleasing to God. It is it is for the sake of his mission to redeem the world. It is in line with the work of Jesus Christ. It supports the work of the church. Only Christ can provide the redemptive peace many people are, are starving for. Let us be that true and faithful church. As Paul says, I am a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Let us be that true and, and faithful church who continues to pray for our world. Let us intercede. Let us petition. Let us pray prayers of gratitude and thanksgiving to our God. May God align our hearts with his. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as a church, we see this in Scripture and, and your heart for the world, your heart to pray. for You want us to pray for all people, Lord. So God, we, we pray for our youth. We pray for the poor. We lift up our educators. We pray for law enforcement. Our judges, our mothers workforce, our laborers. God, we pray for broken families. We pray for the unemployed and the unemployable. Be with our fathers, Lord. Give grace to our healthcare workers. Make an impact upon our media workers, God. Lead them to present the truth, clear information, Lord. Pray for the unborn. We pray for our college kids, Lord. We, we, we pray for those who are running for their lives, refugees, God. We pray for our foreign visitors, Lord. The nations are here in our neighborhood. We pray, God, for those who struggle with depression and mental illness. We pray for those who work in business, Lord. Those who work out on the farm. We pray for our children, Lord. We pray for those who are 
caught up in gangs. We do pray for our, our government, our government leaders, Lord. All of them, Lord. Bless them with your wisdom. We pray for our pastors. We pray for Native and Indigenous people, Lord, around the world. We pray for those who are artists, those who are entertainers, Lord. Comedians, God, those who, who can make us laugh. Bless them, Lord. Be with athletes, God. We pray for orphans, those in the foster care system, those who are looking to adopt, God. We, we pray for those who are homeless or have insecure shelter, Lord. We lift up our marriages, Heavenly Father. We pray for those who struggle with addiction, addiction of all kinds. We lift up those who just have this stronghold of substance abuse, Lord. We pray for our church. We pray for our ministries, Christian growth, worship planning, church life, community connections, building and property, Lord. We pray for our ministries and we pray for the next generation of Plymouth Meaning Church. God, we pray for all peoples of the world. We, we pray that they can know you, that you can, you can speak to their hearts, that they can hear clearly and know that you are the one Savior that you died for them, that you love them, and that there is hope, there is freedom, there is good news in this world. So, Father, we, we ask for salvation. We ask for that revival. And God, may you just continue to shepherd this church to, to, to continue to be a praying community. A praying community community. And thank you for all the good things that you do, all of your provisions. All we 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 have a hundred thousand things to celebrate this morning, God. We express our gratitude to you. We thank you so much for everything that you do, God. We take so much for granted. Father, we express our gratitude and our praise to you. You are awesome. You are amazing. We love you, Jesus. We pray these prayers in your name. Amen.